0: good morning welcome come on in have a seat be quiet pay attention i'm just kidding really glad that everybody's here this morning on this snowy day just really thankful to be in god's house i'm just so thankful that he brings us from our places to this this church where we can worship the lord if you're a if you're a visitor with us today i just want want you to know that uh, we're really thankful that you're here uh Try to get around and meet as many of you as I can, I know the other pastors do as well, but if, uh, if you're new and just in need, come, come find us and we'll do our best uh, to uh, be whoever we can be for you and uh, if, if you don't, then we also have our, our numbers on the back of this bulletin here, and you can call us and we'll, we'll just love you best we can. so I hope you hope you feel welcome here and, and know that you are. Uh, after this service is the senior potluck, so if, uh, if you're not a senior you don't have lunch here, but if you are a senior, just go across the hall and uh, let's have lunch together. I'd be really excited. I'm not a senior, but I get to have lunch, so that's great. Kind of ex- ex- exploit that loophole. Um, <laughs> so we have uh, the last two weeks of Upward coming up. It's uh, coming to a close, The right? <laughs> was that on purpose? No, that's oh, Okay. I didn't know what we were congratulating, but... <laughs> We have the last two weeks of uh, Upward coming up, and that's where we, we have the basketball program here and over at Boyd Avenue. And, and we've really worked this season to, to pray and, and encourage people and love people and share our testimony with people. And these next two weeks, I just ask you guys to pray that God would work. There's just probably a thousand plus people that have heard the gospel and heard people's testimonies every single halftime they get to hear from one of us. And the last week that we, that we share, we actually just share the gospel with them. Us pastors go out there and, and uh, just talk to them straight. You've heard. You've seen what God's done in these people's lives. Now, I hope you'll make a decision. And it's, just a, it's just a big deal to be able to love these people in that way and to be able to share Christ with them. And I, I hope that you guys will just be in prayer as we have these last two weeks of, of the parents and the kids. And it's just a, a great ministry and a great blessing to be able to do that. Um... I uh, got a chance to go down to Cheyenne on Friday, me and Nicole did, and, and be in James Peary's uh, citizenship ceremony. Um, he's the, yeah. He's, if you don't know James, he's a Zambian, now Zambian American that uh, he sings up here sometimes. And he's he actually came into the country eight years ago on March 4th, which was Friday, that's the day he landed in America eight years ago and and eight years later he swore allegiance to the flag and just was able to get his citizenship and um, it was just a huge blessing to go down there and see that. Uh, we knew him. We met him in an orphanage in Zambia when he was 17 years old, and he was just one of those kids that he'd come every day to work with this huge smile on his face like he has every single day you see him now. And uh, he just loved the Lord, and, and he was just a, a godly young man, even at that age, and he had had nothing. He didn't have shoes, and he couldn't go to school. And I mean, we we just— Always wanted the best for that that kid, and uh, I'll never forget he he was robbed and stabbed one day in Zambia. We we got word of it, and uh, my wife was in our closet just weeping her eyes out because of just the thought of this 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 man we loved like stuck in Zambia, stuck in this place, and and uh, just seemingly his life and just hanging in the balance. And she actually called Pastor Mike and was like, "Isn't there something we can do?" <laughs> Something you can do, Pastor. And remember Mike telling her, man, we have to walk with these people. We have brothers all over this world and sisters all over this world. And we, we got God has to be enough for them. But on, on Friday, it was just a blessing to see God, God loving one of his orphans and giving him an opportunity, giving him a place. And it just gets to be with us. So anyway, I think we can worship as a church to know that, uh, you know, God, God's uh, doing great things among us, and we get the opportunity to go on mission trips and meet these people and walk with them and and uh, see God work. So that was a big day, a big day for us all, I think. Uh, if, you're, if you're interested in going on a mission trip, uh, we have two mission trips coming up this summer, one to Mexico and uh, one to Portugal, and I hope you guys are just praying about that. God has uh, given us an opportunity to go on those mission trips and do a VBS and do a, a youth camp, and I hope that uh, you guys will continue to be in prayer about that. There, The Portugal mission meeting is today at 4 o'clock. So if you're just interested or just wanting to know more, just come to that. And uh, let God continue to work through our church. Uh, let's stand up and worship the Lord. God, thank you that you brought us here. Lord, you, you saw fit, God, in every person in this room's life, Lord, to bring us to this church, your church. The place that you love, the, the church that you made on this earth to, to do your work, to do your will. And you brought us here today to worship you, to hear from you, Lord. And I pray that we would, that we would clear our minds and clear our hearts, Lord, of the many concerns, the many things that weigh heavy on us, God, and just stop and, and be in awe of you and worship you that you brought us here. Thank you, Father. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. We've been given great reason to give God glory this morning, so let's do so. You return to your places. We'll sing again this morning. I don't know what the condition of your soul is this morning, but God promises to be our Prince of Peace. So let's sing this truth out this morning, no matter how we feel. I don't know about
2: you, but I got the Lord just now that I forgot to come up here. <laughs> we have much to pray for today, and uh, the things that I think we need to be praying for are very personal. So I'd like to ask you to just, as we pray, bring those things to the Lord and, and trust him with them, lay them at the feet of Jesus. One of the things, though, that we do need to pray for as a church is Pastor Rick is right now with Principia de Paz and he's meeting with them and leading them. So we pray for him that he would bring God's word faithfully to them, that they would hear. And uh, we'll just lift them up as a sister congregation in the Lord, right? All right, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, would you prepare our hearts to hear your word? Uh, prepare Mike's heart to bring your word. And Lord, we ask that we would hear you. And we ask that you would turn our hearts so that we would obey you. We would say yes to you, even as you speak. God, as You as you show us... What needs to change as you show us how to be strong and courageous, as you show us how we can trust you. And so, Lord, we bring hearts full of concerns and desires and questions and hopes and praise and gratitude, and we give them to you this morning. We give them to you. And Lord, we lift up our uh, brothers and sisters in Ukraine and Russia, and we pray that you would bless them, give them hope in you. And Father, this morning we also lift up our brothers and sisters uh, to whom Pastor Rick is, is speaking and with whom he's praying, and we pray that you would bless them tremendously, deeply. We pray, Father, that many would come to know you this year in our city and through people that you use us to touch. Help us to pay attention to what you're doing in their lives. That we might be salt and light. That we might give them an answer when they ask why we have this hope. And so, Lord, we want to give them you and we pray this in your son Jesus' name, Amen.
1: What a sweet thing to be singing people! We are indeed a singing people, and it's great to travel other places and to hear songs that you know and the songs that they know and be able to sing them together. And um, Pastor Mike had mentioned last week that Ukrainian believers he'd seen a video of them singing "He Will Hold Me Fast" and. Um, so we sing that this morning, the, the promise of that for them, and maybe the, for sure the promise that maybe we'll see them in heaven and sing with them there. He has held me fast. So let's sing it.
3: For our children to go to super church, third grade and under. (laughs) Kind of sweet to see the kids running around just in the church. I love it. Take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with me this morning. So thankful you all made it out. Big old snowstorm out there. So hard to get out in Wyoming, isn't it? Anyway, (laughs) glad you you made it. Um, You know, I was just thinking about these songs and really just thinking about, you know, he will hold me fast. And of course, Aaron had mentioned earlier about James becoming a U.S. citizen. And man, we celebrate that. We should. I was blessed. I was sorry. I couldn't go down and be with him. But, you know, over these years, and I've known so many people in so many hard places. You know, gypsies in Bulgaria, um, people in... Botswana in a village that we've gotten to know and people in Zambia that we've gotten to know and people in Congo that we've gotten to know and even people in Portugal and just lots of different places, you know, places Beth and I have been, India and Vietnam and, I mean, just some, some pretty tough places, Thailand, Laos. And, you know, as much as I want them to be blessed, uh, just so you know, the U.S. is not salvation. That's not salvation. I mean, I'm thankful James is here. It's, it's a joy. Uh, like Aaron said, we met him when he was just a kid, and he was always just a, a godly young man, like Aaron said. But, but come to the U.S. is not salvation, right? Salvation is in Christ. And whether you're in Vietnam, where it's illegal, completely illegal to be a Christian, or whether you're in Congo, where... No one has, they don't have anything. I mean, uh, unspeakable things sometimes we see when we go different places, but um, man, if they know Christ, yeah, he's going to hold them fast. You don't ever have to worry about that. James coming to the U.S. was a praise, but I know hundreds and thousands of more people that aren't coming to the U.S., and they're just fine, right? Right? But now we have to ask the question, do we believe that? Like, do we believe that Christ is our salvation? Do we believe that he is the one that holds us fast? Or are we still kind of stuck in this nutty place that says, you know, we, we're good because our circumstances are good, right? I mean, there's a huge difference between having a real faith in Jesus Christ and having this false hope. On physical prosperity, and we haven't had to see it yet. And some of us have never traveled anywhere where they are forced to see it in anybody else. But I'm here to tell you that Christ is our only security, and we've got to get that right. And quite honestly, man, we're living in a country that needs to hear about Jesus as bad as any countries I've ever been in. I mean, just as bad as any country I've ever, I've ever been in. Because, you know, sometimes we go, well, surely in Congo or Vietnam or Laos or someplace like that where there's nutty stuff going on, they need the gospel more. No. Lost is lost. Salvation is through Christ. And if we don't get that right, man, our countries, we're certainly going to continue down this spiral that's nuts. It's a crazy spiral we're in. So as we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit again this morning, I really want you to listen. I want you to listen about what the Word says about the Holy Spirit. I want us to continue to think about these theme verses that God has put on our heart this year. In fact, let's say those right now before we get any further, and I want you to think again about what they mean. You know, my speech and my message were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom but on God's power. I mean, the shift here from these verses is off of what we can do to what God can and will do through us if we let him, right? Well, today we're going to look at a passage that really speaks to who, who the Spirit of God is in us, who the Holy Spirit is in us, and what he does for us, and how that impacts us. And so look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 we'll begin reading in verse 10 For to us God revealed them through the Spirit for the Spirit searches all things even the depths of God For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God Now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by none." For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's, it's just good, Lord God, to be here today. I'm thankful for the men and women and the boys and the girls that were able to make it out and be able to come to worship you today. The Lord is always, it's critical for us to hear from you today. Uh, it's not an accident that we're here today. You brought us here. You have something that you want to say to us. Many, Lord God, come struggling in various areas. The greatest struggle that we have is to know you. I pray for those that don't know Christ that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would know who you are, what you've done for them, that they would trust you, Lord, be born again. But many of us as believers, we also come, Lord God, and We're struggling in our walk with you. We're struggling with our faith. We're struggling, Lord, to know our purpose and how this works and who you are. Please, Lord, continue to teach us that we might grow in you and walk with you. And I do pray, Lord, that above all else, you'll be worshiped, honored, glorified as we respond to you today. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So this is actually the chapter that we started our study of the Holy Spirit on. We looked at verses 1 through 5 that include these two verses up here. And, and it's interesting to me because the Corinthian church, if, if there was any church in the world in the ancient days like the church in America today, it had to be the Corinthian church. They were so worldly they thought like the world. They acted like the world. They did business like the world. They just were very worldly. And we, we see it in chapter 1 when Paul addresses the fact that some of them are of Apollos, some of them are Paul, some of them are Peter, some of them are of Christ. I mean, they're just divided by who they're going to follow. And then, and you know, Paul says, was I crucified for you? Why would you follow anybody but Jesus, basically? And yet, you know, in the world that we live in today, we have this this crazy tendency to think like the world, right? I mean, we think if a guy's a better speaker, we should follow him. If a guy, you know, agrees with the way we do business, we should follow him. We we base success based on what we know, what we think, what we can do, how we do it. And we just, we don't really think like God thinks. And so the apostle Paul is Matter of fact, they were very critical of the Apostle Paul because he wasn't a great impressive speaker. He was a great impressive writer, but apparently when he was with them, they weren't that impressed with him, even though most of them came to know Christ because of him, which isn't that nuts? Wouldn't you think you'd be impressed with a guy that God used to share the gospel with you so he could come to be, be a Christian? But anyway... The Apostle Paul in verses one through five is basically saying, look, I came here to determine nothing. I was determined to do nothing but know Christ and him crucified. I mean, he literally says, you guys want to follow all these smart guys, all these worldly guys, all these, these guys that have plans that are outside of Christ. Go ahead. Me, I'm going to know Christ and him crucified. That's it. And I'm not going to move off of that. Besides, by the way, if we move off of Christ, what do we move to? I mean, quite honestly, you want to follow a man, or you want to follow a system, or you want to follow a, a political realm, they're all passing away, <laughs> and they're not going to help you because they can't, right? They're not God. Well, then he goes on to, to basically say, man, I'm, I'm with you with fear and trembling, right? I'm, I'm not here thinking that I got all the strength, but really what I want is for you to see the power of God displayed in my life. I, I want you to see God working out of me so that your faith would rest on God's power, not on me. Man, of all the things that, that we as a church ought to be about is to make sure that it's God's power that people see in us. People don't need Mike Cooper, I'm no savior. People don't need College Science, College Science is no savior. The United States of America is not what people need to be saved. It's Jesus Christ. I mean, quite honestly, I, I don't see one Savior in the whole building. Uh, we're just not qualified to be a Savior. You know, I, I've been asking to pray about God opening doors so I can go kind of serve in among the police department here in town. And, and I was talking to the deputy chief last week, and he kind of said, well, Mike, what is your goal? What is your goal as you come in here to work with us? And I just said, look, my goal is this, is to point people to Jesus Christ so that they can know him because he has got more power and comfort and life than anyone else. No one else has it. So I want these guys to know him. That's all I want. And thankfully, you know, he doesn't just stop talking to me. Thankfully, that's, he said, fine, come in, let's do this thing. But, you know, we, we just forget sometimes, what we ought to be about. You know, we forget sometimes that we're not trying to manipulate life. We forget sometimes that we're not in control of our destiny. We forget sometimes that we don't have to be in control of our destiny. We don't have to make things right. We can trust Christ. We forget that. Matter of fact, in the verses before where our main passage, verses six through nine that we haven't looked at and we won't do extensively Paul changes, he says, though I've chosen to be weak among you and I'm trying to see God's power displayed in me, that does not mean that I haven't shared wisdom with you, right? He says, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, right? Paul says, I shared wisdom with you, but it's not the wisdom of the world, nor of the rulers of the world. Man, I I pray one day, God would set the church free enough for us to trust in God's wisdom and give up this worldly nonsense. I mean, I just pray. It's ridiculous to me to listen to people in all these different political realms or economic realms or in our educational realms or whatever it might be, and all that they think and all that they say and all this supposed wisdom, and it's not wisdom, Right, It's not wisdom because it's not God's wisdom. It's not God's ways. And our country is just being consumed by this pseudo-wisdom. It's not wisdom. Paul says, I've shared wisdom with the mature. And listen to what he says as he goes on. He says, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which, was, which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age understood. For if they had understood... Yet they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you know what he's talking about with this wisdom? I mean, some people go, Oh, there's a special wisdom for the mature. This is kind of a side note, but it's it's worth talking about. There are people in this room that go, oh, when we talk about the mature, they must be talking about me. Because I know so much. And I've been given revelation into deeper things, right? I had one guy, one pastor in this town tell me one day, we've moved past Jesus and we're about the spirit now. And I laughed at him. (laughs) I laughed out loud. I'm like, "Uh, the spirit doesn't even move past Jesus. Jesus. And you know what the wisdom that God's talking about is, that he's given to the mature? It's the gospel. It's Christ crucified and him raised from the dead. If they had believed that Jesus was the Lord of glory, they would not have crucified him. If they had believed that he was the one that would save them, they would not have crucified him. The world, the foolishness of the world says, Jesus doesn't matter. But the wisdom of God that he gives to the mature, the mature, by the way, are those who believe. Not the ones that have all the deep, wonderful knowledge. All of us are on one playing field, we're growing. Some of us maybe have grown longer than others, but all of us are on one playing field because we've come to know Christ by the grace of God, right? And so man, if you know Christ Jesus, the wisdom you've received is that God had a plan for the world. And that plan was to save us by his grace and his sacrifice. Hallelujah. And everything about our lives should center on Jesus Christ. Everything about him. If Christ is not the center of our life, if he's not the center of our thinking, if it's not his way, if it's not for his glory, then it is of the world. And man, the world passing away. Listen to verse 9 so we can get into our our text tonight or this morning. It says, but just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Literally, Paul's saying the wisdom that we've been proclaiming are things that eyes had never seen, ears had never heard, and it had not ever entered into the heart of man. All these glorious things that God had planned for those who would love him, right? Man did not come up with the plan of salvation. This was God's plan. We would just destroy ourselves. Just read the Bible, Read the Bible this morning in our Sunday school class. We're reading through the Bible in a year, but we came to the passage of Judges chapter 17 through 21, and they are harsh and they are rough because it's like unbridled sin. And the world ends up there every time they reject God, every single time. They reject God. It's just unbridled sin that ends up in this, this despicable, deplorable evil. And do we not see it in our blessed age of instant news? Do we not see the evil of this world? Because the world, man, they don't, they don't understand that God made a plan for salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. It never entered into our hearts that God would love us that much, but there it is. And then he goes on. Now let's look at our passage for this morning. He goes on to say in verse 10, for to us, God revealed them through the spirit, these great things he had planned. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Man, I I love this thought. These things that God has planned for the hearts of men, these things that God has planned for those who would believe in him and those who would love him, they were revealed to us through the Spirit. I, that, is, that is just such a simple thought to me, and yet it is so profound. I mean, if you know Christ here this morning, your salvation was not based on your works. It wasn't based on your goodness. It wasn't based on your wisdom. It wasn't based on your power. It wasn't based on your position. It wasn't based on your age. It wasn't based on anything but the Spirit of God revealing the truth about Jesus Christ to you. And that makes salvation glorious. I mean, that makes God glorious. That means that God cared enough about you and about me to show us the things about God that the world cannot see and will not see. What a gracious God. Man, if you're saved here this morning, you ought to say hallelujah, right? But listen to what it says. It says, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Now, that's an intimidating little Phrase there. The Spirit searches the depths of all things. That means He's searching the depths of you. He knows why you're here this morning. He knows if you came here sincerely because you needed Christ. You longed to worship him. He He knows whether you're here just playing a game. He knows whether you're here just kind of checking your spiritual box for the week, you know. He knows whether you're here and you're already checked out whether you're on your phone or not, you know, whether you're paying attention or not, whether you have any intentions of paying attention. He knows everything about you. He knows your heart. He knows your motives behind what you do before you do them. He searches you. He searched you long ago. He's, he's right on task with you. He knows exactly where you are, which, by the way, is good because he also knows what you need. He's faithful but he also searches even the depths of God. That's crazy to me. I think about God a lot. I think about him, who he is, what does it look like, what can he do, how does he act, how does he love, how much does he love, when does he stop loving, if he will ever stop loving, how much tolerance does he have, patience does he have. I think a lot about God, but man, the more I think about God, the more I realize I don't know about God. The more I realize that you could never, you could never search out the depths of God, not with the brain I have, but the Spirit does. And listen to what it says. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the, except the Spirit of God. And, you know, I, I like that because... You know, I think about times where people say, well, I know you, I know who you are, I know how you are. I'm like, whatever. I mean, I'm simple, but that doesn't mean you have any clue what I'm really going through. I'll never forget when my when I was 16, my grandma died of cancer. And uh, yeah, it was a tough time for me. My grandma lived right down the street from me. I didn't know how to deal with her cancer. I just didn't. I I knew I would go see her sometimes, but sometimes I mean I can remember riding my bike to to the hospital when she was just hurting, and and I'd get there and I couldn't go in. I just couldn't. I couldn't face it. Couldn't face her pain. You know, I'd helped her, helped carry her to the car so she could get to the hospital at different times. That she was so frail, and I just couldn't do it. I just didn't know how to do it. And I remember when she died. You know, in Illinois, they would have these big visitations. I mean, people would come, hundreds would come. And, and uh, I remember standing in the line next to my parents because they made me, you know, and these people would come through and they'd say to me, I know how you feel, Mike. Or they wouldn't even know me. They'd go, I remember you when you were two years old. You're so cute. And I'm thinking, you don't know what I'm thinking. Because I'd rather punch you as look at you. I'm not kidding. I was smoking mad at these people. Why would you talk to me? Why would you understand, try to say you understand how I'm feeling? And I can remember telling my mom, can I leave, mom? Can I just leave? I, it's not because I, I don't care about the family, but I can't stand this. These people are saying they know what I'm thinking. And I'm hurting to the place I couldn't even tell you how I was hurting, right? And no one, knows, no one knew my thoughts. Only, only my spirit, only me. It's not separation of me and the spirit. It's one and the same. Only I knew how I was feeling, but catch this. Only the spirit knows the thoughts of God. Only the spirit knows the thoughts of God because he's God. We talked about that, right? God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. While they are different, they are one. And so here is this spirit that has revealed these things to us, the things freely given to us by God because he knows God. And if we know God, it's because God the Spirit has revealed him to us this great salvation. I mean, our salvation becomes more miraculous to me the more I study the word and look at the word. I'm so blown away by the one who knows God caring enough for me to reveal the truth about God to me because I wouldn't have come there by myself. Man, our faith should not not have any credit in ourselves. We should not take any credit for our faith of ourselves other than we've said, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe. Man, be my savior, right? Everything else comes from him. Don't you love what it says? It says as, as we go on down, it says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Now, one of the things that's so so important for us is to realize that, that not only has God alone revealed salvation to us, and that's really important to us. Let me make sure I get this right before we move on a little further. I mean, over in John chapter six, and you don't have to turn there, Um, Jesus had a crowd that had gathered because he had fed the 5,000 the day before. He'd walked on the water back to Capernaum and they all came and Jesus says to them, you didn't come seeking me because of the signs that I've done. You've come seeking me because your bellies were filled, (laughs) right? Don't work for the things that perish, but work for the things that lead to eternal life. And he said, which is to believe in me. And so as he began to explain that, he said to them, I'm the bread that comes down out of heaven that gives life to the world. And the Bible says that they began to grumble because they said, we know his father and we know his mother. How can this guy say he came down out of heaven to give us life? Well, this is Jesus' response, and this is critical to us. I mean, it's just critical to us because we don't think this way many times. But John 6, 43 through 45 says, do not grumble among yourselves, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. So Jesus says over in John chapter 6, you can't come to me unless the Father draws you. And here in First Corinthians chapter 2, The Bible says that it's a spirit that reveals the things of God and of Christ Jesus to us. In other words, what I'm saying to you is, is that religion, if you will, some of us call us a religion, right? We're a Christian religion. Religion is not about a relationship. It's not about the work of God. It's not about God. Religion, in the world's terms anyway is when we do something to make ourselves a better person. When we adhere to a certain set of standards or a certain set of beliefs and we do what we want to do because we are so good and we are able to do it. That's what like a worldly religion would be. Christianity is completely different. Christianity is not the work of the person. It's not keeping rules. It's not about seeking God. The Bible says that none seek after him. None. I mean, the Bible says that if we were left to ourselves, we would not come to God, we would not know God, we would not want to to know God, we would not follow God. we, We would not. But the Bible says that by the spirit of God who searches out the depths of God, he reveals the truth about Jesus Christ to us because He loves us. Guys, this is so important. This is so important because I know there are some of us sitting in this room today that we've said, I've always been a Christian. I actually hear that quite a bit. I've always been a Christian. The Bible says that's not true. The Bible says in Luke 13, 3, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You have a response to what God has shown you. The Spirit has shown you the truth that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again on the third day, and your response is to have faith in Him. But you're not going to get there on your own. You're not going to get there by following rules or doing special things. That's all about man-made stuff. That's just religion. What God says is salvation is the work of the Spirit, and once the Spirit works in our life, then things change. And that's what he's talking about in verse 12. Now, now he's talking about what the Spirit has done. Verse 12 is about what the Spirit does in us. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak. Now, this is amazing, Right? Now, we have not received the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is anything contrary to God. Anything contrary to God. Anything that doesn't give God glory. Anything that doesn't submit to God. Anything that doesn't worship God. Anything that rebels against God. Anything that shines brighter than God. Anything that we hold up as an idol before God. That's the spirit of the world. And everybody has it. We don't have to look for it. We've not received that spirit. When Christ Jesus is our Savior and the Holy Spirit comes into our life, then he says, we have received, I love the spirit who is from God, sent from God who is God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. What are those things? And the list is too long for me to share. So we may know the things freely given to us by God. Well, first of all, God himself. Right? Did you know that the Bible says in John 17, three, I hope so. If you've been here for very long, I've quoted this to you before, right? John 17, three, Jesus said, and this is eternal life to know God, the father and his son, Jesus Christ. Did you know that you can't know God until the spirit comes into you and transforms your heart and makes God known to you? Did you know that you can't know him and you can't know his son? So one of the things freely given to us by God that's revealed in the spirit is a relationship with God. You know, I, I can't tell you how many people over the years have told me I believe in God but I don't believe in Jesus. I'm like, eh, Bible says if you've seen Christ, you've seen God. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you don't believe in Jesus, you don't believe in God. Eh, sorry, you, you don't get one without the other. And so one of the things that we can know is God himself, but then we can know we can know forgiveness. We can know love. We can know patience. We can know security. We can know hope. We can know our future. We don't have to be afraid of our future. One of the great passages in the Bible in my opinion is 1 Peter chapter 1. I mean, it says he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that we've received an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and reserved for us in heaven by God, kept for the day of our, our salvation, right? This, is, this great passage says he's caused us to be born again to a living hope because our hope is eternal, right? It's heaven kept for us forever. I mean, we can know all these things. We can know that when we work with a brother in a hurting situation in a difficult place around the world that they're gonna be okay because Christ is with them. But man, we just go, well, they they don't have all that we have. Maybe they won't have enough. How can you not have enough when you have Christ We've got to stop thinking like the world thinks. We have not received the spirit of the world. The world says what you need is more clothes and you need more food, you need more comfort, you need a new car, you need a new house, you need whatever. That's just the world. If you have Christ, you have it all. Then we first started going to Zambia fairly often. It seemed like every time I'd leave Zambia, I'd get a note from somebody that says, "Man, that guy that you walked with these last week or two, he died." I used to go back, go, what did, "What did they die of?" The Zambians would just usually say to me, "I don't know. We don't know why he died. Their health care is not great. Their personal health is not great. They're malnutrition. most of the time from a young age, and they just die." You know, we'd think, man, if they had better health care, if they had better. No, they had Christ. And he came for them. He took them home because they knew the things that God had freely given them, which was Jesus and then hope and then security forevermore. Man, we walked with a little Zambian. First time we went to the Congo. One of the scariest things I've ever done. It was just nuts. The whole trip was nuts. I'll never forget this little guy. We were downtown to this big open market, and people are making like death threats to us, you know, and trying to stop us. And the cops are trying to stop us. And I mean, it's it's chaos like I've never seen before. And all you can do is pray. And he was in a different vehicle than we were. We were this little Zambian, his tiny little Zambian guy, heart of a warrior. And we look over, and the police have him. And their car's stuck. And, man, you don't know. You know what the Congolese are going to do. There's no law in Congo, even though they're their police. And so, of course, they want money from him to begin with. And so we're trying not to get stopped by them. And we're trying to pray for these guys while they're over there. And pretty soon we just see him get out of the car and take off down the street. And basically what the police said was, you give us what we want now. We're calling our boss, and he's going to take you to jail. So give us the money and then get out. He gets out in this mass of humanity. I don't, I didn't know where I was going. I don't know how he knew where he was going. And all I could say was, where in the world are we going to find this guy? Sure enough, man, I don't know how I did it. They ended up in the same place we ended up. And I was scared. But he's like, nope, I trusted God. And he ended up where he was. I love this guy. He was so gracious to me. As we're leaving that year, he gives me this uncut kind of, forget what it is now, some kind of gem, just uncut, just for you to remember me by. And I'm like, I'm going to remember you. I still got that thing somewhere. But by the time I came back, the next time he died, you know, why? Why? And then you realize, oh, God took him. Listen, we, we can't buy into this American thinking of what Christ is in our life. If Christ is not more to us than this, than our homes, than our jobs, than our money, our bank accounts, then he is nothing for anyone. If he's not more than this, then he is nothing. But when the Spirit comes into us, we receive the Spirit not of the world the spirit that freely shows us the things that God has given us. And they're so much better and we can live for them freely. We don't have to be trapped by them. We don't have to keep up with them. They're just poured into our life freely. And then it says, which things we also speak. And Paul is saying, the things that God has given to us freely, I'm teaching you, Corinthians. I'm teaching you, Casparites. I'm teaching you, Those are the things that we speak about. Those are the things that are important, Corinthians. These are the things which you and I ought to be speaking about. I read that the first time and I thought, I wonder if we really do speak this. I mean, if we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, if the Spirit of God lives in us, then why aren't we speaking this? Right? We talk about sharing the gospel a lot. I know some of you get tired of me talking about sharing the gospel I'm never going to stop talking about it. Why would we, who've been given the spirit of the living God, not speak about the things of God? Why would we not? mean, my kids, I think there's only one here today. Yeah, there he is. They almost roll their eyes at me when I talk about the Lord. Not all of them, and not all the time, but most of them, at least sometimes if that makes sense to you. They're like, dad, you've been saying this stuff to me since I was this big. Yep, and when you get it right, I'm gonna quit talking about it. Probably not, right? If you come see me in my office, I'm gonna talk about Jesus. You having marital problems, I'm gonna talk about Jesus. Man, you having struggles with your finances, I'm gonna talk about Jesus. Are you sick, you want me to pray with you, I'm gonna talk about Jesus. Why? Because he's the answer. He is the answer. There is no answer apart from him. Man, the things of the spirit ought to come flowing out of us when the spirit's in us because that's who we are. Don't you love what he says? He says, not in words taught by human wisdom. The things we speak, they're not coming out of us because of what we know. These are coming out of us because of what the spirit's doing in us. And he says, he says but in those things taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. I love that phrase. Man, when you are spiritual, when the, when the Holy Spirit is in you, guess what you have? You have spiritual thoughts that end up with spiritual words. That's the way this works. We are a spiritual people if we know Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We are not physical. We're not fleshly. We're not worldly. We're not supposed to live like the world. And I've had people tell me very honestly, well, that's really hard, Pastor. Well, yes, it is. It's really hard for me, too. It means I have to surrender, I have to submit, I have to trust, I have to walk by faith, I have to be what God wants me to be and I have to fight my flesh to do it. But man, we're not fleshly, we're not not physical. So why would we not talk about spiritual things? But have you ever noticed how hard that is? There's been times where we've had certain events and we'll do something and then we'll have some sort of fellowship afterwards and I'll just say, okay, now go to your table and have fellowship and talk about Jesus. And then I, want, I, I go around sometimes and I ask people, what'd you talk about at your table? Everything but Jesus. You think I'm kidding? It's hard to talk about Christ, even to other believers sometimes, because quite honestly, we, we don't want to submit to this powerful move of God in our life. To whereby we give him, we give him everything. We just give him everything. We want to keep holding things back from him. We want to have our own personal time where he doesn't touch us or bother us or influence us. We want to have our own conversations. It's so much easier to talk about fleshly things, isn't it? You know, a lot of times when I talk about the Lord, man, I I get convicted plenty of times. Don't you? Sometimes when I talk about the Lord, I realize that other people get convicted and they don't want to talk about it. But if we know him and we have received him and he's searched out the depths of God and he's revealing these things given to us freely, why would we not want to share those things with the world when they are the answer? You know, we think about Russia, and we think about the Ukraine, and we should, and I hope you're praying for them. And, but, you know, we, we ask silly questions. Why would these things happen? Why would Russia do this? You know, what's God doing in this thing? Listen, man, you should never be surprised by the wickedness of man. You should know We're wicked. Man without God is wicked. Nations without God are Wicked. You'll be surprised by wickedness in this world. But don't you also miss that God is doing something in that for eternal purposes. Do you not know that God said, one of these days I'm bringing this world to an end, there's gonna be wars and rumors of wars. There's gonna be earthquakes and famines. We're gonna hear about all these things until the end, Right? And somehow God is purifying. Somehow God is calling people to faith. Somehow God is bringing about judgment. Somehow God is bringing this world to an end. And yet, most of us, we don't think like that. And we don't want to think like that. And we don't want to pray like that. We don't want to look at these things. We just want to look at how horrible it is. And quite honestly, most of the time we end up going, God, you're not fair. Don't we? Don't we? There's a whole bunch of you that have already thought, God, that's not fair. These innocent people are dying. That's only true in one sense. Maybe they didn't do anything to be a part of this war, that innocent in that way. But life and death are still in God's hands. Life and death are still in God's hands. We have to have an understanding of who God is. It has to go deeper. Yeah, God is not casual men and women. He's not like you and I. He makes things happen and brings about judgments in ways that you and I would never do it. But if we know the Spirit of God and we have spiritual thoughts that lead to spiritual words, we can bring hope to people even in the most dire circumstances. And one of the simple things that God has taught me Traveling into places with the gypsies or traveling into Africa at different places, or even meeting the Hmong pastor that we spent time with in laos I mean these are some these are some hopeless places. The thing that God taught me was what you have in Christ is what they need don't bring them candy third world countries all want candy they don 't get candy, and they in particular want chocolate. You want to bless a a Zambian or a Congolese take them candy bars. They love them because they don't get them. I just take a bag usually and set it on my my room wherever I'm staying and then my Congolese pastors, when they come in to get me, they just grab a handful every morning and (laughs) off they go, you know. They're like, yep, pastor brought the candy. But I've, I've shared this before in Botswana, first trip to Africa, Beth and I and Nicole pastor of the little local church in this village, went to this hut. It couldn't have been more than 12-foot circle, 10-foot circle maybe. A grandma was sitting in the chair. Her daughter and three sons were laying on the floor of this hut. And it was dark. And the mom had AIDS. And the two oldest boy had AIDS. And the little baby who was just born was starving because she couldn't feed him. Because if she fed him, nursed him, he'd have AIDS. And they couldn't afford to buy formula. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever seen. Like, Lord, what in the world is this? What am I looking at? Why am I in this dark place? And Lord, where is the hope in this place? And God worked me through. I'm the light of the world. I'm the light. I'm the light. You share the light with these people. That's what they need. That's what they hope. That's what they can live with. And so we shared the light best we could. But I'll tell you what the world looks like as we were walking out of that hut, broken and empty, praying for these people, the grandma come out and says, sweets, sweets, sweets. And it crushed me. Because that's what they thought we were there for. That's what Americans brought to them before, candy. Do you not know that whether it's candy or more money, or more success, or a bigger house, or a nicer car. It was not going to be the answer for those that were dying in that hut. It's not going to be the answer for my brothers in Congo that don't eat every day. It's not going to be the answer for those gypsies that are denied health care and hated with racism like you've never imagined. It's not going to be the answer for the monk pastor who's the, the communist or watching him and if he makes the wrong step, they arrest him and maybe even kill him. Sweets, world, garbage, it's never going to be the answer. And you and I, man, we received the spirit of Christ who seeks out or searches out the depths of God. And we can share with people the light of the world. And we don't. Is when we walk by faith sometimes because we don't see the power of the Holy Spirit in us. He's got everything we need. Well, spiritual thoughts, spiritual words, I mean, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually praised. Paul says, Look, the natural man is not going to get any of this. If Christ is not in you, if the Spirit of God is not in you, you're a natural man. You're a fleshly man. You're a man separated from God. And whether you're a good man, whether you're a nice man, whether you're a good gal or a nice gal, whether you're sacrificial, whether you're generous, it doesn't matter. You are not a part of Christ. You are lost. You cannot know God. I don't know when the church is going to actually grasp that, that nice people Don't go to heaven. Save people, go to heaven. People who've been transformed by the spirit of God, they're the ones who know Christ. Those that are not transformed by the spirit of God, they do not know God and they cannot know him. And then it says, here's the difference, but he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. Those are kind of tough verses. What it really says is, He who knows the spirit, right? He appraises all things. And all that means is that he has insight into all things. If you know Christ, you know right from wrong. You know truth from falsehood. You know God's view of the world. You understand how the world works. And and the mind of Christ begins to work in you. And you begin to see things and understand things that the worldly man cannot. And you ought to be thankful. I know we live in this dilemma today where we're not supposed to say things are wrong or sinful. But man, I'm gonna tell you flat out, our world is living so sinfully. Homosexuality is a sin. It's a sin. Because you're sinning against the way God created us to be. Transgender, sin. Man, living together and having sex outside of marriage, sin. Rejecting your spouse for anything less than than unfaithfulness or living with the believer and letting them leave. There's anything less than that means divorce is wrong. We talk about some stuff. I could go on and on if you want me to. Not everybody's gonna go to heaven. Not every religion is gonna go to heaven. No. I know a lot of a lot of Christians believe that. Well, as long as they believe in something, I love that. People always have to give me that kind of look. Like, as long as they believe in something, won't they be okay? Is that what the Bible says? Listen, we don't want to actually say we know truth. But when the Spirit of God lives in us, we know truth. We are actually called to say this is truth. Today people say you can't discipline your child because if you discipline your child, you're going to ruin their psyche. Listen, if you don't discipline your child, you're going to ruin more than that. You're going to ruin your child. But we we can't do that, right? No discipline, no consequences. Our world, it's ugly. And we can't praise it because the spirit of god lives in us but if we do if we do the world's going to hate us isn't that true isn't it so we just stand back and let the world go to hell even though we know what's right and what's wrong we let the world go to hell listen here's part of the problem there are people that claim to be Christians and they have no connection to Christ whatsoever because the Spirit of God is not in them. The Spirit of God is not in them. Let me go to verse 16 and finish. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? That's a quote from Isaiah forty thirteen, And basically the Lord in Isaiah 14 is saying to you, who do you think that you are that you would tell me what I need to do and how I need to live? No one gets to instruct me. But the Apostle Paul says, but we have the mind of Christ. Those of us that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who the Spirit of God has come to dwell in, we have the mind of Christ. We can know what God thinks. We can know what God wants. We can know who God is. We can know how God asks us to live. We can know him. We have the mind of Christ. We're able to walk in a way that the world is not able to walk in. And thank God we have him. But if you're if you're a believer here, if you claim to be a Christian here, there has to be evidence that he's in you. There has to be evidence. There has to be evidence That you're trusting in him. There has to be evidence that he's changed your life. There has to be evidence that you live for a different king. You live for a different purpose. You live for a different plan. You are Christ. There has to be evidence. We learned last week in Romans chapter 8 that if the spirit is not in you, then you don't belong to God. You don't belong to Christ. And now today we're talking about the influence of the things that the Spirit has brought to us, the things that the Spirit has given to us, the the things that the Spirit enables us to do. But they're not going to happen any other way. Nobody's going to come to know Christ because I preach a sermon. Nobody's going to come to know Christ because you share a testimony or witness to somebody. Nobody's going to come to know Christ unless the Spirit of God moves in you. Not even you are going to come to know Christ if the Spirit isn't in you and transforming you. No one. Do you know? Do you know the Holy Spirit is in you? What evidence is there? What evidence is there? And I don't say that to make you feel bad. The truth is, is I I pray with all my heart that if you have been deceived by thinking, doing certain things, attending church certain ways, you know. I don't, being generous with your money, you know, serving at some local capacity to help out our community. If you think that's gonna get you to heaven, you're mistaken. Those are good things. I'm not talking about good things. I'm talking about being right with God. It comes through the Spirit. Do you know do you know you've been saved? Some of you are, man, you're here and you've never been saved. Truth is, until the Spirit speaks to you and reveals the things about Christ to you, you won't be able to be saved. So why not begin to pray, Lord Jesus, show me who you are. Lead me to salvation. Man, College Heights, my prayer is that, is that we would take serious this truth about God I didn't realize till we closed the last service that, that maybe what I need to start praying and we need to start praying is that God would bring about this, this weight of his presence into our life this presence that won't let us be apathetic this presence that won't let us be proud this presence that won't let us be rebellious this presence that just weighs on us day after day after day after day until we surrender and go, whatever it is you want, Lord, whatever you need to do, Lord, wherever you need to send me, Lord, here it is. It's all yours. That's the only way. That's the only way we're going to see Massive change take place in our church and our families. It's the only way we're ever going to actually have this relationship with God that satisfies. I'll never forget God put that weight in my life for several months. It's been a long time ago now. It was really uncomfortable, if you want to know the truth. Yet it was really amazing. Every day I felt Him. Every day I. I trembled to come into his holiness and his presence and his, his glory. And I, I went that way for about three months, praying and growing and wrestling and, and burdened. And then finally one day I said, how long, Lord? How long? How long is this going to be in my life? And he took it away. He took it away. I wish I've had it. I've had it some since. I wish I would never asked that prayer. Would you rather live in the greatness and the glory and the weight of the presence of the living God or be shallow, selfish, and worldly, and uncaring? Which one? You have to decide, actually. How about we pray? Lord, I love you. And I need you. I would pray for that weight in my life every day. The magnitude of your greatness comes with the magnitude of your love. The magnitude of your holiness comes with the magnitude of repentance. The magnitude of your presence. Comes with the responsibility of saying yes to you every day in every circumstance. Lord, you're with us, but many times, Lord, we are quenching the spirit. We're saying no. We're not interested in you. We're not interested in you leading. We're not interested in believing. We're not interested in obeying. Lord, please forgive us and I pray that you would help us not quench the spirit, but let you move, see your power, influence others for your glory through your spirit, know you like we've never known you. Lord, please do a work among us. I know you know we are but dust. Your word tells us you know We're not strong. You know we're not wise. You know. So be merciful and patient. Work in great ways. And I pray that in every way that you work, you've received glory and honor and worship and power and praise. You deserve it. Please, Lord, give us grace to respond to you as your spirit is speaking to us this morning. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, let's sing. Our pastors will be down front. We'd love to minister to you, pray with you.
4: As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you, you alone. And I long to worship You, You.
3: and mercy. We're grateful for Jesus and all that comes with him. We're thankful the spirit, Lord God, is sent by you to live in us, to speak to us and reveal things to us about you and all that you've given to us. We pray, Lord God, you'd help us to just love you and worship you and serve you. And I pray, Lord, you'd do a powerful work in us
5: to make us your people. We love you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.